Hi, I'm Karina. I'm the Music Ministry Director at Every Nation Auckland City. We are a multicultural, multi-generational, socially responsible church that makes disciples. We hope this message inspires you to honour God and make disciples. Well, welcome to church. My name's Wee Yong. I'm one of the Connect Group leaders here and also a privilege to be one of the leaders and pastors here in this amazing church. Um, for those of you that haven't been here for the last um, couple of weeks, we, this new series uh, is, called, is, is such an important series. It's called Making Change. Um, and of course, there's so many things in the Bible that is important. And as a church, we, we decided to take a moment, maybe four weeks in total, to focus on this very important uh, area of finance. Um, and today I have the privilege of carrying on the sermon series, and the title of this sermon series is called, uh, so, so today's uh, sermon is called Giving is Good. Everyone say, Giving is Good. Now, some of you might be looking at me right now and, and thinking in your head, Weong, is this another one of those tithing sermons? Right? So everybody lock the doors. Uh, <laughs> now's the time to leave. No, it's, that's not the purpose of today's sermon, although I will be talking about tithing. I will be touching on the uh, idea of offerings and giving. But let me just pray before I get into the sermon, and um, I believe today's sermon will really encourage you. It's going to challenge you, and I believe that God is going to expand your mind and your spirits this morning. So can we pray? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word that is living and active, that is sharper than any double-edged sword. Dear God, we thank you that you left us your word, you left us your spirit, and there really isn't anything more that we will need in this life. So Father, we thank you that your word also says that we have everything we need to live a life of righteousness. So this morning, as we learn from your word, as we draw the principles of, from your word, I pray that these words will not rest on our ears uh, and come out the other side, but indeed that it will move us to action, that it will move us to change, that it will move us to be able to adjust anything that we need to adjust in order that we can love you better. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. Now, have you ever had a situation where you went to a friend, right, and you said, hey, I've got a major thing coming up soon, like I'm moving house. How many people have moved house before? And then you, you, say, you say to them, um, you know, it's in a couple of weeks' time, and uh, you're trying to hint. You're trying to hint. You're not asking directly. You're like, it's going to be so busy. I can't attend any of the things that you're organizing. You know, and then as they're saying this, as you're saying this to them, you're kind of hinting to say, please offer to help. <laughs> you know, you don't really want to ask them, like, because, like, if they're really good friends, they would, right? And then they're not getting the hint. And then you go, you know, we have a lot of furniture. You know, like, I don't even have a truck, you know. Um, and then after about three or four minutes of trying to, drop a hint, you ask directly, bro, I really need some help. <laughs> Would you please help us on that day to shift some furniture? And then you get this look on their faces, throw up that next slide. 
Do I have to? So often, whenever we get the situation from a friend or a loved one, or I think I do this sometimes to Rita, when she asks me for help, I give her a look and she's like, no, I don't want you to help. I don't, I don't need that attitude, you know. You need to do this willingly. Um, all of us don't appreciate when people do something out of obligation, right? All of us don't appreciate it when someone, whether it be our spouse or our friend or our children, they go, really, do I have to? I would rather them not. So, you know, I want to talk about a few principles of giving this morning, uh, really three to be specific. And I don't want to really talk about the, the specifics about whether tithing is biblical or not, because it is, how much is the right amount, because you can look that up on the internet, and we've got our um, church family booklets that talks about what we believe here in this church. But I want to talk about the key principles of generosity. Everybody say generosity. You know, the first principle here is that we give because He gave. We give because He gave. You know, one of the first scriptures that I memorized as a child was John chapter 3, verse 16. Right? And most of you are going, yeah, I know that one. For God so loved the world that He, that He, do I have to? No, He gave willingly. That He gave His only Son, that who believes Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I'll put it here. For God so loved the world that He gave See, God gave willingly. Romans 5 verse 8 says this. God demonstrated His love for us in this. That Christ died for us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for us to be righteous. He didn't wait for us to have given Him all of our lives before He gave His own life. He came willingly. He came as a servant. He didn't come as a conquering king. He didn't come on a mighty white horse with a massive spear and a shield to defeat the Roman Empire. He came as a humble baby. We give because he gave. You know, I, I, I drew this little diagram out uh, because that's how I, my, my, my brain works. So let's throw up the next slide. And so there's God and there's us, and the sequence goes one and two, as it normally does. <laughs> and you see over there, it says that God gave us peace, love, joy, protection. He gave us life. He gave us talents. And yes, He gave us provision. He gave us the ability to, to pay for things. He gave us the ability to, to have life the intelligence to do what you need to do, the skills to be able to play the sports that you love so much. For those of you that are competitive in certain areas, He gave you the ability to win. He also gave you the ability to lose graciously. God gave. And our response, which, which comes after 
God's initiation is that we are to trust Him. We are to obey Him, whether it be with our finances, our talents, our skills, our time. This morning, you guys sacrificed your time to come and worship together because the Bible reminds us to not give up gathering together. How many of us know that Sunday mornings when it's very cold, it's nice to be in bed? <laughs> How many of us know that if you go up the road to Mount Eden, the shops, the cafes, they're, they're just heaving with people, having brunch together, and yet you are here? We give because He gave. We forgive because He forgave. It really is that simple. The other thing as well is that we are created in God's image. In Genesis itself, it says that God had a little conversation amongst the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, it's, and, and, and God said, let us create man in our image. And he created the first woman and the first man. And this image of God that we retain as humans, you and I have the image of God in you, whether you realize that or not. Nudge your neighbor and say, you have the image of God. <laughs> Don't say it with a, like, a face like this, you, you have an image of God. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> you and I have the image of God, but because in Genesis chapter 3, we read about the fall. We read about Adam and Eve. They made the wrong decision. They chose to take things into their own hand. They wanted to be like God, even though God says, we have already created you in my image. The first human beings already had God's image in them, but yet they wanted to be like God. That's why they took the apple or the orange or the peach or the pear, whatever that fruit is. It wasn't the value of the fruit, it was the action of disobeying God. But yet, in spite of sin, my friends, we still retain the image of God. God never took away the image of God from you. You know, the fact is that the, the reason why we don't obey God is because there is sin in our, our world. There's sin in our life. There's this layer of sin that's blocking us from the ability of obeying God. But yet God gave us a choice as humans. We have agency. We have the ability to choose. Will we submit to that image of God within us or will we submit to our fleshly desire to disobey Him? You see, the image of God carries relationship. The very fact that you ever feel lonely means that you were created for relationship, and that comes from the imago Dei, which is the image of God. The very fact that giving unlocks God's principle of sowing and reaping within our lives is because we carry the image of God. God is a giving God. And so when we give willingly, when we obey God, that unlocks the principle that comes from the image of God in you and I. This is, this is great teaching that no one's ever taught me, and I've only learned this in the last couple of years. 
that there's something within you and I that reflects God's nature. What would you do? What would I do? Will we give because He gave? Let's move to the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. If you've got your Bibles, feel free to mark that if you want to. And so this passage was when Jesus told a parable and told his disciples about the principle of giving. He talked about the fact that, you know, when was it that you gave me when I was hungry, when I was, gave me a, a, a place to stay when I, I, was, I didn't have a place to stay? And he said this. It says, the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. He was saying to them that even though I'm going to go to heaven and I'm no longer here on earth, right, the disciples of Christ wanted to honor him. They wanted to give to him. But what he's saying here is that if you give to those that are in need, those that are less fortunate, you are indeed giving to me because he loves them, because he created them, because he went to heaven and he entrusted this divine task of stewarding this earth to humans, to you and I. Sometimes it blows my mind that God would trust me and you as humans, fallible humans, to look after this earth, to look after this land to fulfill the Great Commission, to tell people that there is an eternal life with God. God really loves us, my friends. God really trusts us. You may not feel that sometimes. You may feel inadequate. You may feel, what can I do? How can I fulfill the Great Commission? How can I obey God, but he breaks it down and makes it so simple. As you did to one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did to me. So as we begin to give as he gave, whether it be to God, to your church, to charity, giving of your time to serve, you are doing it to God in obedience. You know, let us not have that attitude of, do I have to? Because God doesn't need us to give him anything, really. He has everything. He owns the, the universe. He owns everything. But as we come and as we give, let us remember why we are giving. Point number two. Principle number two about giving is this. Giving assigns priority. Everyone say priority. Most husbands would hope that they are their wives' priority, and vice versa. Most wives would hope that their husbands make them their priority. And for married people here, husbands and wives, don't look at each other right now, okay? <laughs> I'm pretty sure many, many, many disagreements comes from the fact that they don't feel prioritized. You never spend time with me. You're always with your brothers. You never give me enough money to go shopping. <laughs> you never help me around with the kids, with the house. Don't look at each other now. 
we have a marriage counseling service, I'm sure, <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Giving assigns priority. It, it, it attributes a value. It says to the person receiving that you are valuable to me. Don't give unwillingly because that defeats the purpose, right? Don't serve unwillingly. That defeats the purpose. Any human being will feel, will know if someone is willing or unwilling. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Now, what is this first fruits? First fruits speaks of priority. And back in the early days, in the Bible days, it was written to about farming communities. It, it speaks of fruit. It speaks of cattle and sheep. And so the first fruits is the first fruits, the best of the crop from the harvest. This is why we encourage people to spend the first hours, the first minutes of your day speaking to your God, to your king, reading your Bible, reading your word. It's not, it's not something magical to have your devotions and your quiet time first thing in the morning because it's the first fruits of your energy. If you do your Bible readings at night, there's no judgment. At least you read your Bible. <laughs> But the fact is, is that at the very end of the night, you're not giving God your first fruits of your energy. Indeed, you're giving the last fruits of energy or no fruit at all. And I'm speaking to myself as well, because when I first wake up in the morning, I need my coffee. And I need to rush out the door to beat the Auckland traffic. Some of you, I know, wake up really early in the morning to get to work, but how can you assign your God priority. We all have different ways. And I'm not talking about methods, I'm talking about principles. Perhaps you can find a time in your day, might not be the first, time, first hour of the day, where you can carve out time to really focus on God. It's the principle of first fruits. So when we talk about tithing, we talk about the 10%. It's not just 10% and through an automatic payment, and I forgot about it. It's, it's your heart of going, the very first fruits of what God has allowed me to receive, I return to Him. It's the principles of attributing value to God. I've had so many discussions biblical, with biblical scholars and biblical um, students and people that go to Google and find things to tell me that it's not 10%. And I remind them that the point is not about the 10%. The point is about value and priority because if you prioritize God, you think 10% is enough? If you say to your spouse, I love you so much, honey, I'm going to give you 10%. That's great for your marriage, right? No. So it's not about the value, it's about the principle. And of course, just as a sidebar, 
If you read the whole Bible, not just the Old Testament, not just the New Testament, the whole principle of giving is about the fact that God owns everything. And it's our privilege to return to Him, to show Him our gratitude. The New Testament doesn't attribute a number to our giving. It talks about giving joyfully. In fact, you could build a case to say that actually giving, there's no, there's no limit. There's a verse that I'm not going to bring up here. It says, give in such a way where you press down, shaken together, that it runs over. I was going to bring a can of Coke and shake it and then it goes, right? I thought, oh, John, I don't want to cause more like mess here so people have to clean it. But you get the point. That's the type of giving that the Bible speaks about. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's the type of giving. Because it assigns priority. That's what our Bible, God's Word, speaks about. Why? Do you think God needs our money? The God that owns a kettle on a, a thousand kettles on the hills that He created? No. He doesn't need any of our money. He wants your hearts because He gave His life for you. The very first instance in the Bible that speaks of giving was for, from the very first sons in the Bible, Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 to 5, it says this. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Man. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And so the story goes, Cain killed Abel out of frustration, jealousy. He couldn't understand why God favored Abel. What's the difference between these two gifts? I remember reading Genesis as a 12-year-old because I was so inspired at a youth camp that I wanted to read the whole Bible, so I started from page one. I got to Leviticus and I slowed down. <laughs> but when I read this, I was thinking to myself, so here's Cain bringing this barrel full of fruit from his farm, giving it to God, and then Abel comes with his barrel full of flock and sheep and cattle. In my mind, it looked even. And then I then read that it says, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering had no regard. I remember thinking to myself, that's so unfair, God. Both of them gave. Like it wasn't like Cain didn't give anything. It didn't even say that Cain gave with a bad attitude, did it? My Bible doesn't tell me about the attitude at which Cain gave. But the difference here, what's the difference? Is that Abel gave of the firstborn and the fat portions. The choice portions. Abel must have been Filipino because he knew about lechon. <laughs> or Chinese or Samoan. 
He gave the best bits to God. You know, sometimes we, we have this attitude, yeah, I give to God. Every month on the 16th of the month, an automatic payment goes out, just like my taxes. <laughs> I don't even see it. I was looking at my bank statement the other day and I saw the tithe go out and I thought, oh, I've not thought about my tithe for ages. <laughs> and I was so convicted. I was so convicted because I realized that I'd forgotten why I gave. I've, I've even forgotten that I gave. It just became mechanical. And I just took a moment to Thank God for life itself, for the fact that he sacrificed his life for my life. God doesn't need your money, my friends. He wants your heart. God doesn't need him to, you to serve in this church if your attitude is not right. He'll find someone to do it. Is God your priority? Because you certainly are his priority. So much so that he died for you. I want to read from my physical Bible, which I don't use a lot. And um, I don't read this, this passage, and I'll explain why it's so important. That's Matthew chapter 26, verse, reading from verse 8 onwards, or verse 6 onwards. Okay. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And this morning, I've just told you that story. You know, the alabaster flask of perfume that she broke, I don't know how big or small it is, it's said to be worth a year's wages. I haven't looked at the latest figures in New Zealand. I would say that on average, it's probably about $80,000. It's pretty expensive perfume. And the disciples looked at the woman and to say, why, silly woman, why are you wasting this? The poor needs the money. And as I said earlier, what you did to the least of these, you did for me. It's true. The Bible does talk about giving to the poor but with Jesus, there is nothing, absolutely nothing that is 
too much to give to him. And yet his own disciples, the men that followed him everywhere, (laughs) one of my pastors used to call them knuckleheads, they didn't get it. They thought it was too much, too lavish. But this woman knew the value of Jesus. And if you do some studies, some commentaries link this woman to Mary Magdalene. Some even connected her to Mary, the sister of Lazarus that was raised from the dead. This Mary has had so many interactions. Some commentaries even connected this Mary to the prostitute, to the immoral woman. You know, the Bible says, he who has been forgiven much will love much. That if you understand how much Jesus gave for you and I, we would give everything to him, our time, our efforts, our money, our resources, and our talents. But perhaps, maybe you don't give because you don't know how valuable your king is. Maybe you haven't been forgiven much at all because you don't love him much at all. Maybe your life has always been pretty cruisy. But those of you that have been forgiven much, you will know what I'm talking about. That in spite of our sin our wretchedness, our brokenness, our rebellion, God's grace, God's grace is ever-present for us. So let's move from do I have to to I get to. Let me tell a little story, a little testimony um, (laughs) of Rita and I's um, life. So, short testimony. Let's move to the next slide. This has happened twice uh, over the last maybe 15 years. And the first time it happened, one of our friends was in a really serious financial situation. And one day when I was doing my devotion and in my quiet time, God put it on my heart, not, not verbally, but it just came out of the blue, and I knew it was God because I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about my coffee. Um, God said, give your savings to your friend. And I'm like, wait, what? Because <laughs> we're quite, you know, in the early days, and we're still quite disciplined, but we're quite disciplined with our savings. So we have a sa- separate savings account. Everyone's got savings accounts. That's a good thing to have savings account. And you know what the first thing I did was? I jumped on internet banking and looked at how much it was, wishing that was less. (laughs) What an evil person I am. (laughs) That was my response. And then I started creating excuses in my mind. Lord, can I give less? Because actually, I'm sure other people can give to them. Silence, absolutely silence. And then I went and spoke to Rita. I can't remember what we, we talked about, but it was a very quick conversation. And, and, and I'm blessed because I have a wife that trusts me 99% of the time, I think, when it comes to finances, 
we have division of labor and I'm the guy that looks at finances in the family. And, she, and I think she said something along the lines of, if you feel that's God, then let's do it. So I called my friend and said, bro, I'm transferring $3,000 to your bank account. Can you give me your bank account? And I didn't say it with joy, I tell you, I was weeping inside. <laughs> I was thinking of all the things I could have bought, <laughs> you know, with that, the, uh, well, getting close to our faith goals. And so we gave and nothing, nothing much happened after that, that week. And then the next week, and I was working at a bank at the time, ASB, I was a manager at a bank, and I remember my, my boss um, said to me, Weong, I need to talk to you, can we have a chat? And he sends me a meeting invite. And how many of you know sometimes when your boss um, initiates a meeting, you're thinking, uh-oh, what did I do wrong? <laughs> so, so I was going into that meeting a bit scared, and then he sat me down, and, and this is one of the best bosses I've ever had. Um, I've not worked there for 15 years, and we're still good friends. And so Gary said to me, Weong, I just want to let you know that we really, really appreciate you and we want to make sure that we look after you. And please don't take any offers from any other banks because we know that the banks are trying to poach people right now. So even though now is not the time for the annual review and the increases, we want to make sure we pay you the right amounts and we believe that you're underpaid, and we're going to give you a $10,000 pay rise to, from this week. And I just looked at him thinking, sorry? What? <laughs> and that was like in July, and then September, I got the annual pay rise as well. Right? So it wasn't like, a, it was a complete one-off. Then I looked at him, I said, thank you. And I walked out and I went to the, the, the men's room and I just broke down. I was just like, my first thing that came to mind was that, God, was that you showing me that you look after your people? I wasn't making that connection directly, but I remembered that obedience unlocks God's favor. That's happened multiple times in our lives. And our principle of giving is whenever God compels either her or me to give, we would say, let's pray separately and ask God for a number. And then when we come together, whichever number is greater, we would take that. And usually it's quite painful because naturally I don't, you know, I'm not one that would give. But God, God gave everything to us. So because of that, we give. Amen. And I'm just so grateful that that's how God's economy works. And you know, sometimes you could give and God blesses you, but you don't make the connection from the blessing to God giving you favor because you obeyed him, you know? But I, I want to encourage us that every single thing that we have in life, our health, our job opportunities, everything comes from God. And it, it's worthwhile if we prioritize Him. Amen? Point number three. Giving enlarges our world. Everyone say enlarge. Everyone go like this. Don't hit someone next to you. <laughs> 
Giving enlarges our world. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 in the ESV. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. That's pretty cool, eh? It expands your thinking. It, it expands your mindset because giving is a mindset. Another brief story and testimony when I was preparing for the sermon, I was thinking of just the years of being a Christian, and, and I realized that I've been tithing to God because that's what a Christian does for 28 years. So let's, let's go to the next slide. 28 years because um, that's from the first time I've actually ever earned something. So I was 16, 15 years old when I got my first job at Woolworths in New Lynn, Lynn Mall. It's, it's now called Countdown. <laughs> and I earned $4.13 an hour, and I worked seven hours a week while I was in uh, year 12 or sixth form. Seven, uh, seven hours a week, and um, I tithe something like $2.80 a week. And that's a graph of our tithing, well, my tithing until about 2004, and I got married, and then I'll combined income, but we're mainly on one income as a family. That's our tithing for the last 28 years. Well, actually, I stopped at 2014 in the graph, and I'll explain why. So that's maybe the last 22 years. So you can see that the bottom line is the tithe. The top line is what I earned and what happened with the, the curve the gap got wider and wider. What did the verse say? The world of the generous gets larger and larger. Even though it was always 10%, you can see the difference there, that as God continues to pour out favor and opportunity and blessing. And going to the next slide, 2009 was when I heard the audible voice of God calling me into ministry while I was in a conference in Singapore. I was in a large auditorium at this conference, and it was a prayer meeting, and they said, pray with, break into groups of three and pray. And I was with Pastor Richard and Pastor David from Dubai. And I remember closing my eyes and praying, and everyone was praying in the spirit, you know, praying in tongues really loudly. And um, it was like a market atmosphere, you know, it was just this noise. And as I was praying, I heard clear as day, God said, five more years. Well, at first I didn't know it was God. I heard someone say, and I looked up and I couldn't see anyone because everyone was praying in tongues. It was a clear voice above the, the sound that was so loud. And I went back to praying and I heard again, God said, five more years. And I found out later during my time with God that week, that he explained to me five more years in the corporate world and you will serve me full-time in the ministry, which was 2014. And that curve there from 2019, you could see the top line, God's blessing and provision. Because when I entered ministry, I started um, what they call MPD, Ministry of Partnership Development. 
there's no salary, but there are individuals that are very generous, that believe in our, our ministry, that give monthly towards Rita and I. And so we've been on MPD for almost 10 years now. But that curve shows God's faithfulness after he called me into ministry that well beyond my expectation, opportunities just kept coming and knocking. I was approached. I did not apply for a single job in those years. Every single job was offered to me. I can't explain why this happened. The only thing I can say is God. I'm a very simple man when it comes to these things. That when God said, obey, even though it's painful, I do. So I just want to share this testimony with, me, with you, not to, not to show you how much we've given over the years because God has given us far more, as you can see. And about two or three years into, um, or actually no, about four years after he called us into ministry in 2012, I had a conversation with my accountant as I was preparing to enter ministry and to have a much lower salary. I remember my accountant looking at me, and he's a God-fearing man, loves Jesus. He said, Weong, it looks like you're mortgage-free. And I looked at him and I said, what are you talking about? I've got two mortgages, one for my home and one for my rental. <laughs> and he pulls out this A3 paper, which I still have, and he starts drawing little pictures of houses because I'm very, you know, I'm not an accountant, and starts drawing lines and going, if you do this and you move things around, if you sell this, you can do this once in your life. And I looked at him, I said, is this legal? <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. He goes, yes, it's legal. Let me show you the legislation. Let me show you how other people have done it. And 2012, through the guidance of my accountant, we did all the steps that he encouraged on that little paper with little houses drawn on it. And we got money to be able to purchase a house, the house that we now live in, mortgage-free. The year before we entered full-time ministry without a salary. You know, God is great. God is amazing. And I couldn't have ever planned my life this way. And every day, every day, even last week, two weeks ago, actually, a friend was in need, and Rita and I did the same thing. We prayed. She prayed, I prayed. We came up with a number. We took the higher number. And I'm not saying you need to do that. It, doesn't, it won't make you any holier or closer to Jesus. Find your way. But let me remind you that generosity, giving, is a mindset. So let's move from... Do I have to? Moving down to the last few slides, do I get to? Amen? Let's pray. Let's close our eyes for a moment of privacy for our neighbor and concentration for ourselves. As we come to the end of the sermon or this, this um, service, I want to give us an opportunity to have a, have a moment to think about what we've heard today. With all eyes closed, heads bowed for a moment of privacy. 
And as I spoke about how giving is good and the three principles, number one, we give because he gave. Number two, that giving assigns priority. And number three, giving enlarges our world. If you're here today and you're, you might be worried about your finances, you might be thinking to yourself, should I tithe? Should I give? Maybe you're, you're struggling with just even giving of your time and your resources and your talents. If that is you, I don't want to embarrass you, so I won't ask you to put your hand up, but I want you to, on the count of three, if you're struggling with the idea of giving, I want you to gently put your hand on your heart and I want to pray for you because there's something powerful when we physically outwork what is going on in our hearts. And you're saying to God that, Lord, help me. Help me to give. Help me to change my mindset. Help me to understand how much you've given for me so that I want to give, that I get to give, that I would obey you. If that is you, if you're struggling with this idea of giving, of your finances, of your time, of your talents, I want to pray for you. On the count of three, would you put your hand on your heart? One, two, three. All right, hands everywhere. Nobody looking around. Father, you see these people that have put their hands on their heart where they're, they're indicating to you that they're struggling a little bit with the idea of giving. Father, I pray that today's word will, will continue to work in their hearts, Lord, that today's word will continue to help them to remember that giving is a privilege, to remember of how much you've given for them, that you sacrifice your, your own life to save them, Lord God, that through their giving you would be able to bless the poor, to reach the lost, to help a fellow brother or sister in Christ, to be able to serve the church, to enlarge your kingdom as you enlarge their lives, Lord God. Father, we thank you that giving is part of the Imago Dei, the image of God, that you're a giving God, that you're a generous God, that we have your image in us, the image of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I still close for a moment. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a Christian, or perhaps maybe one, one day you used to be a Christian in the past, but for some reason, maybe you've been hurt, maybe you've had doubts, maybe something happened that caused you to give up your faith, to walk away from your faith. You're not a Christian anymore. But this morning you heard that God gave his own son for us. That you heard that God demonstrated his love for you in this, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for you. And you realize, you know what? It's time to come back to him. Maybe it's time to come to him for the first time with eyes closed, heads bowed. Nobody's looking around for privacy. If that's you, you want to take the step to come to God for the first time or to come back to God after being away from Him, I'd love to pray for you. And on the count of three, I want to invite you to do a very brave thing, which is to put your hand up so I know who I'm praying for. 
One, two, three. Yes, I see your hand in the front. You can put it down now. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see your hand in the second row. Thank you. Anyone else? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for those two hands, two individuals that have said to you by putting their hand up that they're ready to take steps to come to you or come back to you. Lord, would you guide them? Would you make it beyond just a prayer of salvation that they would be able to walk closer and closer to you? From this day forward, would you draw them into your presence? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. To know more about Every Nation Auckland City, you can visit our website, www.everynationauckland.city. For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.